Married to Jennifer and father of seven children, Dr. Bob is a professor of catechetics and the director of the Master of Arts in Catechetics and Evangelization at Franciscan University of Steubenville. In addition to authoring many books, articles, and award-winning scripts that have helped many men and women come to a deeper understanding of their Catholic faith, Dr. Bob also is an accomplished musician, having released numerous CDs and leading over 10,000 people each year in worship. Be sure to check out his weekly podcast with Father Dave Pavanka, They That Hope, available where all great podcasts are found. This is a Know His Love story. Yeah, it's a great question because in some ways I always feel like I'm taking God's love for granted even now. <laughs> you know, the more I have deeper experiences of his love for me, um, one of, my, uh, one of my favorite quotes is from St. Augustine, and he says that God loves each of us as if there were only one of us to be loved. And I don't know if I believe that statement. I mean, I do and I don't, right? Like intellectually, I get it. Intellectually, I believe it. I don't know if my life has reflected that. I think that in some ways I have had a tough time relating particularly to God as Father, um, that might have been from a childhood where I did have a loving father, but was pretty distant. And I think also in retrospect, just didn't know much, you know, didn't know what to do with a kid like me. Um, and so my image of God was loving and present, but distant and probably don't want to bother him too much. When I got older, I learned about a, uh, enlightenment, uh, philosophy called deism, which is the idea that, uh, yeah, there's a God, he created the world, but he kind of like wound it up like a clock. You know, he, he said it's spinning and then he stepped back. And I really think if I could describe how I used to think of God and still in some ways do, to be honest, um, I often go back to that image of, yeah, I, unfortunately I've, I've thought of God almost like a superhero that swoops in from time to time when I need help. And this idea of God being by my side every day, you know, is so beautiful and so amazing. And I've had great experiences of that. And I keep trying to live in the reality of that because uh, too often, at least in my own life, maybe it's a, a perfectionism or a desire to succeed. You know, I, I try to pull myself up by my bootstraps way too much instead of just accepting the loving embrace of a heavenly father uh, who wants to hold my hand and walk with me. So, um, yeah, my whole life has just been a continual journey of trying to have a deeper understanding of that love. Well, certainly starting with myself, you know, really trying to be rooted in the identity of a son of God. Um, I do a lot of things, right? You know, I'm a professor and I'm a musician and I'm an author. And um, I think, and this might be just an American tendency too, but I, I really like to define myself and therefore my worth by the things that I do and, um, you know, can put too much energy in some of the things I do as if, as if I'm going to earn God's love, as if I'm going to, you know, make my heavenly father proud. And even just every day, just trying to remind myself that, yes, I am a professor. Yes, I am a writer. Yes, I'm a musician. You know, those things don't go away and I want to do them with excellence, but, um, I want to, I want to have a freedom with them. And I only find that freedom when those aren't my God when God is my God, when I know I'm loved. And it's not a love that's a performance-based love, you know, because even 
when I was at my worst, he was at his best, right? You know, God proves his love that when we were, while we were sinners, he died for us. That's from the letter to the Romans. And so time and time again, you know, God has revealed this to me in different ways. Uh, he's revealed it to me in the scriptures. I love the Bible. I love the scriptures. I was really blessed in high school. I got involved in a young life group, evangelical group. And uh, they had such a passion for Jesus and a passion for the scriptures that I've been very grateful for. And so I'd hear it through the scriptures. I'd experience it through uh, people I love in my family, uh, you know, particularly my Nana. I've, uh, I'm 100% Irish, so my Irish Nana uh, was a great witness of faith. I had my aunt, who's a godmother, who was a Carmelite hermit. So I had just so many incredible witnesses of faith and people interceding and, and praying. And just in my own vocation of marriage, uh, in my relationship with my kids, you know, all of those um, are just different ways that God is kind of popping through, right? You know, like, you know, tearing the veil a bit, showing himself, showing his love for me, uh, and just the many interactions. And, and I think that's part of the gift of the spiritual life is that the closer you draw to God, the more you realize that he's everywhere and he's always been everywhere. You know, it's just, I think sometimes getting over our uh, misconceptions of what we think he looks like or what we want him to do uh, and just letting him be him and love us as we are. Um, it's just a beautiful journey. Well, I can tell you a time in my life that, that really, uh, really gave me a new insight to it. So um, I have seven kids, uh, five boys and two girls. They're awesome. And uh, one of them is adopted from Haiti. We, uh, Jenny and I, we, after we had five kids, you know, we, we thought we were pretty much done and that was fine. And yet Jenny and I were praying one time together, uh, a devotion to, um, a devotion to Mary, our blessed mother. And we both felt very strongly in our heart, uh, a call to like, it was, it was specific. It was like adopt a boy from Haiti. Now, we had been involved with some uh, missionary work in Haiti. We knew people in Haiti. A good friend of ours was, a, at the time, a seminarian in, in Haiti. So it wasn't such a you know, strange and foreign connection. But it, it, was really, it was really present there. So I reached out to my friend who was a seminarian in Haiti. And I just asked, so what does that look like? You know, like, this is what we feel the Lord calling us to do. And, and how would that work? And he connected us with the uh, Missionary Charity Sisters uh, who were in Port-au-Prince. And I don't know if you've had, if you've been to Port-au-Prince, it's sadly one of the poorest places in the world uh, and just so heartbreaking, really. Uh, and yet the people are so joyful. I mean, it's such a contradiction, but that would be a whole nother story, I think. So um, I go down there and uh, I don't meet who we're going to adopt. There's just a lot of paperwork first. And they said they intentionally do that because they're not trying to be emotionally manipulative you know, as, as some other groups might be, you know, just get the paperwork done and, and then we'll take the next step. So, uh, I, we did that. It was months and months of it, probably about seven months of it, of paperwork. And we submitted the paperwork and that week we were watching the television and, uh, it was the week of the earthquake in Haiti. And so we're just absolutely, you know, stunned to see all this destruction and devastation in Port-au-Prince. And of course, um, you can't reach anybody there. You can't call the orphanage. You can't talk to anybody. And, you know, we wept and cried and just didn't know what, you know, the process was supposed to take two or three years as it was. Who know, you know, we're like, how, who knows how much longer it's going to take here or if it's going to happen. 
But we also knew this couldn't be a coincidence. I mean, what are the chances that, you know, you submit paperwork for an adoption and two days later a massive earthquake happens? So we're just spending time in prayer and, you know, a lot of, you know, no information, uh, you know, going on, anxiety. And then three weeks later, we get a call uh, from U.S. immigration that oh, President Obama had signed the Help Haiti Act of 2010. And one of the provisions of that was to fast track anybody who was in the adoption process before the earthquake. And uh, the person on the other, I, I was very emotional at, with that call, so I don't exactly remember what they said, but I'm pretty sure they said we were the last name on the list. <laughs> you know, like it would be hard to think of anybody even closer, but that we were the last name on the list of people that were going to uh, be fast tracked. And I said, well, how long would this take? And she said, uh, just probably a couple months. And that's exactly what it was. Uh, it was Good Friday. You know, so this was like in the end of January, right? Or she was calling in mid-February. Uh, and it was uh, Holy Thursday of, uh, you know, the very beginning of April that year that we were waiting in Miami for our son to arrive. Again, my friend, the seminarian, Father Lewis now, um, was going to bring him out of Port-au-Prince and, and bring him to us. And... I can tell you, though, it was amazing. It happened very quickly, but it was, a, it was a strange experience from my perspective. Well, I mean, the whole thing was strange, right? But um, I still hadn't met him. I had one picture. That was it. And um, I talked to some other dads who are, uh, you know, say like the birth of their kids was like the greatest day of their life. And I just think the birth of children it's just so gross. I mean, it's just gross. And I don't like blood and I don't like hospitals and I like have a phobia of needles. So probably all of that goes in there. But like, I don't have like this, my child is born. I'm just like, thank God that's over. Clean him up, would you? You know, and, and you know, get me out of this hellhole like, that I've, I've been in. It's like the most un like the worst thing possible. I, I by the way, I, I end up loving my kids. Okay. Just for the listener. I, I, I do, I do come around eventually, but not not initially. I'm just like, Ugh. so um, I was thinking, gosh, if that's how I feel like with my biological kids, like what is going to happen with this, this kid, this two and a half, he's two and a half years old, right? This two and a half year old kid. Someone's going to hand him to us and say, here's your son. It's like, uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> you know? Um, and I just emotionally was totally unprepared for it. And uh, I just figured, well, it'll work out eventually. I'm sure I'll Get to, you know, I'll fall in love and, you know, I'm sure it'll take some time like it did with the other kids, but it, it'll all work out. So anyway, I just still remember um, the first time, I, this was a video podcast, you'd see me tearing up. Uh, the first time I saw, uh, the first time I saw him and it was like, uh, my heart just leapt. You know, this, <laughs> this is my son, right? And and it was just like, you know, like one of those electric things to your heart. I mean, like I I had just seen him for the first time and I would die for him. I, I felt more more connected to him at, at first sight than any of my other kids. I mean, it was just crazy. And it called to mind uh, the scripture uh, from John, see what love the Father has lavished upon us by letting us be called children of God for that. For that is what we are. And and it gave a whole new perspective for me. And, you know, the letters of St. Paul, particularly, it talks about the analogy of adoption, like that we are God's adopted sons and daughters. And I think in our culture, adoption is seen as like a second class um, experience. And, and, I, and I would probably say even me adopting a child, I at least subconsciously thought of that 
Like this is not going to be as cool as if we could have had him biologically, but it's what we're doing and we're going to make it work. Right. And not the case at all. I mean, not the case at all. You know, God showed me such an inspiration of love through my adopted son that it made me realize that, and that's how God the Father loves me, right? Like he loves me with that kind of, that kind of passion and that kind of love. And, you know, what's beautiful about our baptism is that, you know, like the adoption that we have from God isn't like through immigration and through all the other paperwork. Like we're really reborn. I mean, God, in baptism, God infuses his spiritual DNA into our lives. We, we truly are sons and daughters of God. And it's just an incredible gift. And I've never felt so close to the heart of God the Father than in that moment. And even just reflecting on that moment and the way I love him and, and all my kids um, is, is just such a beautiful movement and, and really changed my life. I mean, absolutely uh, changed my life and my understanding of the way that the Father loved me. Yeah, I mean, I would say every way, not to sound too cheesy, but like, you know, going into um, God's presence in every moment. I mean, I love I love the liturgy. I love Jesus and the Eucharist. Uh, I'm in a diaconate formation in the Diocese of Steubenville, and so I'm learning even more and more about the liturgy, and I, I, I just, you know, just so drawn uh, to Christ in the Eucharist, but like a sunny day, you know, today is like a beautiful day, you know, and, uh, even as I was driving my kids into school this morning, um, it was one of those days that the, you know, it was like the sun was up, but the moon was out and it was just like hanging out there, you know? And I just thought, God, you're so beautiful. Like, this is so cool that you just decided I'm just going to put the moon up there, you know? And, um, yeah, there's just so many little ways, so many interactions, um, that God speaks, uh, that God speaks his love. But I would say in a special way in my vocation, uh, to marriage, to be sure, uh, you know, uh, you know, with my wife and, uh, just being a dad, uh, you know, those are really at the heart of things I'm just constantly grateful for and constantly, um, affirmed, you know, in his love for me, just that I get to be married to such a wonderful woman and, and have such great kids, even with all the trials and difficulties and, and pains. And there are many of those. I don't want to come across as sounding like I live a idyllic life or I'm the perfect guy. <laughs> you know, I've done my good share of screw ups, uh, both as a husband, as a father, but that God is, God is present in those moments and God is still, um, you know, not disqualifying me, you know, from all these gifts he gives. I would say, first of all, that God really does love you. And I know that's like a bumper sticker, you know, or it's just so cliched, especially if you've, you know, grown up in faith formation or a Catholic environment um, or any kind of church environment. You, you always hear that Jesus loves you, God loves you. And you can just kind of go, yeah, whatever, right? And just, and just brush it off. Um, but I would say, take a moment just to reflect on everything around you as a sign of God's love for you. This was something I, I really appreciated uh, with my time in Haiti. You know, we, I think it's part of our American culture that we obsess about what we don't have. And yet when you go to far poorer cultures, um, you know, who have so much less, even just the basic essentials that we would consider the basic needs of human life, and yet they express a great joy. You know, I've seen that in Haiti. I've seen that in poor areas of Mexico. 
Because while we're obsessing about what we don't have, they are thankful for everything they do. And they see uh, beauty in that. And they value relationships, right? We, we value things. And sadly, we can treat people like things. Uh, and when you don't have a lot of things, you value people. And you value the, the love and the relationships that are present there. And all of those are ways that God is just crying out to us in the midst of our noise and our busyness. Um, God loves God loves you as if you were the only person to be loved. It sounds outrageous. It sounds extravagant. And it is both of those things. And that's why looking at Christ on the cross, you know, he proves his love for us. That even while we were still sinners, he died for us. We don't have to earn his love. Uh, we can live in that love, and we should. But it's not something that we earn. We receive it. And God loves you and has a plan for your life. Um, you know, he, he, you are not an accident. Uh, you were made with a purpose and a plan. And uh, coming, bringing that love into your life is going to fill whatever hole is there. It's going to give peace to whatever stress is there. It's going to bring healing to whatever wound is there. It might not be instantaneous, uh, but it certainly is, well, the way, the truth, and the life that Jesus said. And if there is a practical thing I would, I would say is I always just try to encourage people to read a gospel because, you know, what we know of Jesus is in those gospels. And I love particularly the, the gospel of Luke. It's got so many um, great stories of mercy and parables. I mean, they all have different emphases on it. But uh, you, you would do well to just take some time <laughs> to, to sit uh, with the God who loves you. And if you can't hear him, open the Bible, open the gospel, open the gospel of Luke, and he'll speak to you. You know, just, just allow him to love you and that you would know his love. Uh, there's nothing greater, and it will change your life. Thank you.